All right, Ruji, thank you so much, mate, for joining the show today. How how, how you been? Nice. Uh, my pleasure to be on the show. Um, I've been great. Uh, and look, thanks for reaching out. Um, this should be fun. Yeah, no, no worries at all. I had a few people asking about creative and in my last podcast for the audience, if they haven't seen that podcast, it's the 10 top strategies for Black Friday. What um, one of the things we I was looking at was the execution and creative and UX and design. And I knew you were coming on the show because we'd already had a chat. So maybe uh, if we could start with your background, mate, what you've been up to and your career. And Thanks, Nigel. Um, so look, my name is Ruji Yumatsu. I'm the managing director of Ryzen. Uh, Ryzen is a specialist UX UI agency. Um, we've obviously had the pleasure of working with you, Nige, at many, yep. uh, many of your past um, places. Yep. Um, yeah. And look, we've been around for 19 years. So we've been doing this for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I guess, started the business myself and, uh, and Sally, my business partner, um, back in 2005. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's still still going. I've seen some of the some of the work you guys have been putting out. It's just just um, just amazing. So, in terms of your background, so you came from Japan at the age of four. I, I, oh, you were telling me. Yes, yes. So, um, uh, I guess my my dad was a bit of a wanderer. So back in the day, um, he travelled the world, you know, all over okay. Europe, um, etc., nice. America, and he he fell in love with Australia. And so mm-hmm. he wanted to, you know, bring his family um, and raise them in Australia. So yeah. um, when I was four, our, our immediate family emigrated from Japan to, to Sydney. Um, and then I guess, yeah, since then we've sort of, you know, uh, grown and, and, and lived here. Um, so my mm-hmm. dad was a chef. He was, I guess, quite entrepreneurial and he's okay. run a lot of uh, restaurants uh, in Sydney. So uh, some oh, of nice. the, the Japanese restaurants. Um, and then, yeah, look, my mum's also from, a, I guess, an entrepreneurial background. Um, you know, she runs her own real estate agency. Her parents ran their own sweets, uh, I guess, factory and business in Japan. Uh, oh, but yeah, awesome. look, came came over. Um, yeah, did my growing up um, uh, in sort of neutral Bay Mossman. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, right. And then, look, ended up going to, you know, high school, uh, North Sydney boys. Um, and, and at the time, look, I've got an interesting story. At the time, um, I think it was in year six, um, they started to do sort of tests for every student um, yep. in, um, in year six to, to sort of get them into different schools. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And so we did our test one day. And look, I was, you know, mm. one of the, the nerdy kids, so I thought I did well. <laughs> yeah. but, but funnily, um, about two or three day, days later, somebody from the Department of Education came back to our school, came to our class, knocked mm-hmm. on the door, pointed to yeah. me and said, uh, excuse me, sir, we need you to do the test again. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so right. I did the test again. It was the exact same test. And, you know, the first right. time I did it, I thought I did well. But the second yeah. time, obviously, I could pick up on maybe some mistakes that I've made. So I did it again, yeah. submitted it. And yeah, and they came back and said um, they lost my initial or original test. And that's right. why they got me to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I did a, you know, got a really great score. And that resulted in you being the smartest uh, year six student in New South Wales, was it? Yeah, something like that. They <laughs> said my test score was uh, was off the <laughs> off the Richter scale. So yes, <laughs> you'll be Mensa. You'll be <laughs> sitting so, next to St- Stephen Hawking and then talking about the theory of everything with Michikaku. <laughs> yes, yes, something like that. But you know, that's that's I guess the benefit of doing the test twice. Tell us maybe a bit more about your um, move into sort of this creative 
uh, side of, of, of your CV? At, at high school, a few friends um, and I were really interested in, I guess, designing products, so product design, your traditional uh, industrial yep. design. Um, yeah. And I actually really wanted to sort of design cars and in particular sort of Formula One cars. Oh, um, yeah. And so, so I looked at, you know, what sort of, I guess, courses are out there that it'll, you know, maybe train you to become a, you know, car designer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that's That would be a cool job, like oh, designing cars. It'd, like, it'd be yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. So there was a course called industrial design, but straight away, one of the things that you learn um, when you, I guess, do an industrial design course is that, look, there's very few opportunities, especially in Australia for, for product mm-hmm. design, especially back then. Mm-hmm. And this is um, mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. And so I guess throughout that course, um, what I discovered was, you know, um, enjoying that creative process, the creative side of things. So helping yep. to not just design products, but also to present products, you know, um, when it comes time for, uh, I guess, uh, presenting your products, you know, end of year sort of um, shows, etc. And we fell right. in love or a bunch of us at, at uni fell in love with, yeah, sort of the presentation side, you know, delivering awesome. Uh, back then it was, you know, what we would call multimedia presentations. Oh, yeah, um, and yeah. that's kind of yeah, how we, or, or I, uh, I guess, sort of progressed uh, away from your, your traditional product design and mm-hmm. more into sort of graphic design. Uh, and I guess what we would call now UX and UI. Mm. Amazing. It's a super interesting field. And anybody, would you recommend that anybody getting into the field, um, you got any tips for them? That, that... Um, look, uh, yeah, you're spot on, Nigel. It's, um, there's so much interest in, in this space. Uh, and the beauty yeah. is, I think that the barrier of entry has, has, has sort of lowered. You know, it's a lot easier to, to become a designer. It's a lot easier to, to learn the process. Um, and especially with, you know, the, the changes um, in, in AI. Uh, mm. This space is going to, yeah, I think change dramatically. I think from there on, you know, you can sort of build a, a you know, strong, a strong skill set and, you know, you can, you can do well. Um, it's less about, you know, the, the, the technical ability of, you know, can I use this application or, or that? Mm-hmm. It's very much about, yeah, understanding the customer um, and trying to and work back from there. You know, yeah. what would yeah. be an awesome experience or what sort of products or services, you know, might they be interested in? So you mentioned some work you did for Toyota, I think, in the past, and that was on, I think, your your brief. I remember when we you and I spoke for, first up and you, there was some work I think you did for Hyundai as well yeah so there was a bunch so um yeah. i guess at, at uni when when we realized that there are no job opportunities as industrial designers um mm. a, a bunch of us i think uh 10 or 12 of us got together and i guess formed a uh, a student company basically a, okay. a company whilst we were at uni to gain some experience um oh, yeah and so through that, we were able to do some work for, you know, um, some of our friends, you know, some of the local businesses, um, yep. you know, there was a, a famous restaurant called East Ocean Chinese Restaurant in Chinatown that we did some work for. Um, <laughs> but we were also lucky enough to do some um, product design and graphic design work for Optus. Um, so yeah, early on, we tried to, to gain some experience um, and tried to, I guess, see what other opportunities were out, out there outside of, you know, your traditional industrial design project product design. Um, mm-hmm. And then sort of after uni, um, that, you know, the, the, the student company gave us some great experience. It, it allowed a bunch of us to get into the types of roles we were interested in. And back then it was more, I guess, sort of 
graphic design, visual design. Um, mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to go to a company called Spike. Um, Spike was um, one of the first dot-com darlings. It was the first, okay. I guess, web agency in the world mm -hmm. to list on the stock exchange. Oh, really? Yeah. No, so I've never, heard, never bit, heard of it. A yeah. little bit so before what? the, um, the dot-com bubble. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. They were, they were known for um, throwing big parties. You know, they had offices in um, <laughs> LA, Tokyo, Everybody loves Hong a big Kong. party. <laughs> yeah, and it was um, it was uh, back in the day when you know the internet was still quite young, um, mm -hmm. and companies were only starting to get a feel of what could or couldn't be done. And so back then, mm -hmm. yeah, we had some great clients, you know, Toyota, both here and globally. Uh, we had other uh, clients like Telstra, you know, Mars, uh, the confectionery, confectionery business, um, yep. NEC, Panasonic. Um, yeah, so we were able to, back in those days, uh, work on, I guess, very basic, um, but at the time quite innovative websites. Um, and, and, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking like little microsites. I remember doing a five-page website for for Toyota. Um, and, you know, we would charge them literally a million dollars for five hard-coded web pages. Um, and, and in addition... And I know you're not joking. Yeah. And then in addition, you know, you would, well, the company would charge $100,000 per month maintenance to maintain, you know, five wow. web pages. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. It was, yeah. you know, yeah. I guess everyone was still trying to understand what the web could and couldn't do. Yes, a lot of the, yes. the bigger companies back then jumped on just to try some things, you know, put things out there to the see big marketing what budgets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And look, to, to be honest, back then there were, were very little, uh, well, there was next to no e-commerce. So it was more mm. the, the corporates and the big brands that were jumping on first just to build, you know, their online presence, et cetera. Yeah. 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 It's amazing, isn't it, how far things have come? But I suppose it's like anything after a while, it becomes cheaper. Um, any new technologies or any leap step in technologies are usually uh, for the elite, as they say, you know, or yeah. the bigger businesses that can afford to to dabble in it and have the bigger budgets and then it becomes more, more accessible because right. there's more skills, there's more resources available, there's, um, it's matured a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Wow, a million bucks for a five-page website. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things uh, we found was a lot of these agencies that were very – uh, not so much hard to get hold of, but they just weren't very personable. You know, they it was all kind of all smoke and mirrors, let's just say. It was a lot of, you know, shiny silver stuff going on. Um, and they didn't seem, none of it really seemed real. We were we were ringing around and we were trying to get quotes. And, and I remember this is to do the rebranding for Big Brown Box at the time. And um, John Hughes, who I just ha actually had just on the podcast, had a a retail session with... Steve Colmar from Retail Oasis. You know, we were struggling to find agencies that were approachable, um, who really had the right ethos. And when we met you guys, we were like, it was, this is a real uh, uh, relief, you know. It was a breath of fresh air that we could just come in and sit down and just have a conversation with you as, you know, just really frank discussions about what we could do, how we would do it, how long it would take, how much it would cost. Maybe give us an understanding of how how – over the years, that has been has worked really well for you as a as a as an agency. Thank you for your your kind words. Um, oh, that's very grateful. Right. Um, yeah, look, I guess um, Sally, my business partner, and I started Ryzen um, more out of passion and, and love of design. It was passion over profit, um, you know, and and we knew that if we did things well, you know, the, the money would follow. 
and, and that's fine. But we weren't, uh, I guess, focused on, you know, money or profit. It was more about how do we help us help our customers with awesome designs, with awesome, you know, experiences. Um, and I guess, yeah, back to your point, it was all, all about just caring. You know, we understand that by helping you guys, it'll also help us grow as an agency. Um, mm -hmm. And look, we've sort of, I guess, held on to that ethos about, um, you know, basically trying to help others um, through, you know, the skill sets that we have, which is yep. essentially design, you know, going mm -hmm. from chaos to clarity and what that mm -hmm. process looks like. Yeah, no, that's just so true. And, and when you say that, I have these thoughts of back in 2005, obviously, you, you've started this and you'd already done sort of this work with Toyota and you, you know, you're starting to get into the web already and it's sort of tending to go that way. But I, I remember, ex, you know, experiencing things with, with senior executives in certain organizations and they're, oh, you know, they'll say things, oh, can we have like this flashing over here? And then can we have like a scrolling bar come across the screen and say, click here. And then can we have, you know, so that taking that chaos and making clarity, and uh, I've said this a few times in my podcast is taking what is it's easy to make things complicated and it's but it's hard to make them simple and 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 keep that relevance to the audience you know yeah, um and I think every yeah and I think that that's that's where the experience and you that you can't replace that you get that through this you know I call it a law of process but it's a, that an agency or the people within the organization go through in order to um, understand what the client actually wants because they might want something, you know, scrolling and flashy, but it'll end up looking like um, uh, Ling Ling cars. You know, have you seen Ling Ling cars? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for the audience um, <laughs> out there, I'll put a, a visit the show notes, um, but uh, without digressing too much right now, I'll just quickly share my screen for, for those watching the podcast. Um, but this is this is Ling Ling Cars. <laughs> so I, I kind of I liken this to every time somebody says, "Oh, we want the you know CFO to join a meeting about the creative for the website." I say, "No, the reason being, and I don't mean to be rude, but just visit Ling Ling Cars." <laughs> and then I always get an email back or, or you know a phone call back saying, "Okay, yeah, we understand. No, it's all good. He just wants such and such and such." And I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> but I mean. This guy's taken what is essentially uh, taking the the Mickey out of what was the you know almost the late nineties you know early two thousands ideas of what a website should look like, and he's made a like <laughs> exceptional kind of business out of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, Nigel, uh, when was it? Maybe sort of around the two thousand and ten. We had a a customer of ours come to us with a brief like that they actually wanted that that busy you know yeah. fire sale yeah. cheap cheap get a deal kind of look and feel um yeah. and, and this was a little bit before um you know jb hi-fi was yes. getting big and yeah. and we found it fascinating because um the mm. client you know he he'd traveled the world um and he'd gone to asia and in, in particular in japan where they have brochures like that that's that's sort of yeah. standard and yeah, you wanted yeah, to yeah. bring that sort of um yeah. <laughs> I guess that that cheapness get a bargain 
you know, here yeah. in, in Australia. And, and we did that for a while. We had those sort of busy catalogs. <laughs> um, you know, their website was also sort of a little bit like that busy, busy sale. Um, mm. Yeah. And, mm. and then unfortunately, I think that business, um, you know, they had maybe five or six retail stores around Australia, but eventually ended up sort of closing um, before, you know, the juggernauts like JB Hi-Fi came, al- mm. came around. Yeah, I mean, it works for for some brands. It works, as you say, with JB Hi-Fi. I mean, do you think JB Hi-Fi doesn't have multi-million dollar budgets to produce the nicest, slickest looking creative in the world? Of course they do, but they don't because it's core to their to their brand. It's core yeah. to their ethos. The whole slashing prices and like it's clear that you you had a why when you started the business. You wanted to help people, right? And a lot a lot of the times I talk to businesses out there and and I say to them, well when they want a new website, I say, well, what is it that you, you want the customers to understand about you? What do you want them to, you know, what is your why? Like, why are you in business? Are you in the, are you in business just to, to make money? And, and because a website, you've only got a few seconds to make an impression and being able to convey who you are, why you're in business, um, all of those really important DNA, the DNA of your brand uh, comes through in creative. There's there's no actual other interface. Uh, the website isn't, in fact, just a creative interface to you, and uh, so you, you as 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 the business owner and what you're offering is in the marketplace and the customers you're trying to talk to and your audience. At the same time, they're much better off. I feel investing the money in the right places, investing in paying an agency like yourselves to cr- generate the uh, look and feel to the brand, a creative guideline. Um, and then taking that as a blueprint, I guess is what I'm trying to say, rather than trying to make it up as they go and have and pay some overseas. Cause I'm finding it a lot. There's a lot of small businesses in, in Sydney, especially that have, that have somehow gotten caught up in this overseas, these overseas businesses that are doing like, and I look at their websites and their SEO and they say, Oh, no one's clicking on my website. And I look at it and it's just, and I, and I feel sorry for some of these businesses because they've paid tens of thousands of dollars for what is essentially just rubbish. And, um, you know, I don't have the heart to tell them that what they've got is if I was to look at it, I'd probably throw it in the bin, you know, and, um, and I know it sounds harsh, but it's the truth. And if they had have just thought, well, I should get a, a professional agency like Ryzen or something like that to, to, um, to to do that creative for them, as I said, they would have that blueprint. Then they can use that for everything if they wanted to create merchandise, if they wanted to create um, a website, uh, brochures, flyers. You know, if they want to get the secretary, you've got a nice letterhead that they can use. These these things, I think, are fundamental for businesses. And, um, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I'll, I'll move on. But I, I just I'm, – I'm quite passionate about it at the moment because I've been looking um, at a lot of – people have been reaching out as I've been doing these podcasts and I've been looking at their websites for them. And uh, it's, it's quite sad actually, because I feel like they've been ripped off and I'm trying to help as, as we go. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, if I can just mm. add to that quickly, Nigel, yeah, you, sure. you're spot on the, the whole sort of, mm. you know, the, the whys is such a big piece. You know, we've worked with a lot of um, clients, a lot of retailers, um, and we found that, that the people that excel, um, that do really well, are the people that that know their why um, and there's a purpose to to you know to their business mm. or, or 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 their agency and and if you don't have that why um, you know 
um, clients, customers will see through that, you know, and yeah, the, the businesses will fail or, you know, they'll, they'll churn through clients or staff. So yeah, to your point, I think, you know, understanding and, and having that why is, is critical. And, and we've, we've seen that time and time again, all mm. the best retailers that we've worked with uh, mm. know their why, you know, know their purpose, mm. and then they build sort of off of that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, thanks, Ruji. Thanks for that. I'll see if I can bring up um, some examples of some of the work you've done as well. But I really wanted to sort of uh, convey what I think is the absolute, um, the the best possible outcome for a business in terms of productivity when you're working really quickly online. And everybody says, "Oh, you know, online moves so quickly." It does. And if you're if your business if you can't scale your business when you do start to grow and all the businesses that I've been involved in have grown very, very quickly. And we were fortunate enough to be able to, we had a small team in, in both instances, but we were fortunate enough to be able to have a, a agency like um, you guys, like Ryzen, that could almost feel like an extension of our business. So I just wanted to make a point that when when we create these briefs, when we send them to you and they come back, you know, the first few times there might be a, a bit of back and forth. But then after a while, it was almost like you just kind of understood what we want. And maybe you could talk a bit about that. It's, it's, there's sort of this initial, there's this initial pain that people feel like, oh, I have to, if I have to change agencies, well, they're going to have to go through a whole relearning process. They're going to have to understand what I want. But I can speak for this, how quickly you guys picked up on what we wanted. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, I know these things just don't happen. How does it, how do you do it? Like it's, I'm just really curious. Yeah. Um, so nice. Thank you. Look, firstly, a lot of it has to do with our clients, you know, it's the brief. It's, it's what yeah, you guys okay. initially come to yeah. us with. And, yeah. and, um, in my time, you know, in this industry, Nige, you know, there are very few people that know uh you know the technology the customers the requirements like you do so first and foremost night you're one of the the best in the industry and you know i've Thanks, been in mate. the industry for 20 plus years you are like literally maybe one or two people that i know that uh just yeah know everything you know finger on the pulse um and and as a Thanks, result man. of that you you come to us with a great brief and again it goes back to that whole con uh, concept of empathy so empathizing with you guys as a business but mm. then we act um i guess on behalf of you to understand who your audience is who your target audience or target markets are and we try mm -hmm. and empathize with you know with, with that group or those uh, audience groups so it really comes back to yeah trying to understand look what is the problem here or you know what are the pain points um, and what are the opportunities to improve that or to create a solution? So, mm. yeah, once we understand that, and there's obviously a lot of back and forth, we'll go back to you with questions, vice versa. Um, but typically, yeah, we will have some, you know, some meetings or some huddles internally to really get on the same page. And mm. so that typically takes a little bit of time. But once we're on the same page, then we've got an awesome platform to, to build. And I think and that's to scale. Yeah, and to scale. Yeah, and that's been yeah. the case every time, Nige, you know, on the projects mm -hmm. that we, we've worked on. Masters, you guys did work for Masters as yes. well. Yeah, yeah, I know. They, 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 the Masters stuff originally was, was, was okay. But then, and then, but then after a while, it, it looked really, really good. And I was wondering, and I, had, I did, actually didn't know you guys were doing the Masters creative, to be honest. I mean, if that site had been going today, it would have absolutely 
killed Bunnings. I mean, like in terms of the online side of things, because it was so good. Um, you know, and I look at Bunnings now and I just, it just, it just does my absolute head in that website. The sites can always be improved. And, you know, my, my mother always say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> so I'm not going to say too much, but <laughs> yeah. I just, cause I shop at Bunnings. I love Bunnings. It's not like I don't love the place. I, I spend thousands there, but I, I have to drive to my store cause I just can't use their website. It's just next to useless to me as a, as a business. And half the time I actually want to shop, but I don't. Uh, because it's just I don't want to use the website and I don't have time to go there. So they're they're missing a share of wallet from me right now that they could be they could have had I could be getting stuff delivered today, and they're not because their site and it's inherently complicated. I totally get it. Like hardware and their categories is probably some of the most complex when it comes to product information management, category management, attribute management, all that kind of stuff, taxonomies and all of that. It's really complicated. I totally get it. Mate, you got enough money, guys. Like, it's not like you don't have enough money to have the biggest team in Australia to fix that website. Like, please, can you just do it? And if you need my help, I'm I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice segue there. Yeah, yeah. Just just, I just can give on you some that, tips. <laughs> yeah, just on that night, the um the masters project, yeah, fascinating. And you're right. Um, uh, you know, there's, you know, I mean, Bunnings, you know, runs and owns the market. Um, and there's. So much more. Well, it's a monopoly now, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, There's it was so a duopoly before, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, look, back in the day when we were working on Masters, you know, um, and that was a, a joint venture between, you know, two of the world's largest retailers, Woolworths and mm. Lowe's from the, from the States. And, you know, mm. it was, it was, I mean, we were lucky to be working, you know, on the website at the time. But um, yeah, just to see, I guess, the, the interesting dynamics, um, you know, how the project was run, how it all came together. But you're right online that uh, that master's website was doing really well so the online business was doing well and we all know what happened to the the bricks and mortars business and they closed it down but i know um you know we did uh, i think on a single day we did i think it was about 20 million dollars in in sales on one day no i mean the, the the reason i ask you about that and and how you can scale is because i often think how ai you know is it is it going to be at some point that um, a customer writes a brief and you go over to some sort of AI prompt and you go, okay, this is the brief. And it spits out, you know, what it, it thinks would be the idea for a color palette, for a design. I mean, I'm not a graphic designer, so I'm just picking buzzwords here, but you know, like AI is going to, obviously, as you say, it's going to transform the, the graphic design industry. Um, and a lot of my artwork I created for, for my business, I created using AI wow. and, uh, yeah. And, um, well, I, what I did is I actually got drawings done and then I uploaded them and then I got AI to tweak them and I used prompts to tweak it. And then eventually got what I, I got, what I wanted. But, um, because I, I, I actually, for me, the brief was, of course, the podcast is sort of about AI as well in retail. That's why I did it because I wanted it to show what you can actually do with AI. So the cover art you see for the podcast was created semi by a person who I have assignment to copyright off. Um, and then from there, I then uploaded it and created it through AI, I've made some changes to it. And then that person then tweaked it again. And now that's what I've got. So do you think it's going to be this symbiotic relationship with between creative people like yourself that have empathy for the customer? Because we know AI doesn't have empathy. It's not capable. It's not self-aware. Do you think it's going to be this symbiotic relationship between you know, amazing creative um, people like you and your agency and then AI? Yeah, look, I, I think ultimately it is, you know, and mm. 
And it, it's fascinating because, you know, this, this space is moving so quickly. AI will um, speed up the pace, you know, so to, you know, bring sort of websites or the creative um, and get it done a lot quick. You know, we're only scratching the surface. Um, yeah. Even some basic things like um, a designer's pet hate is looking for stock imagery. You know, that's, you know you'd, yeah. you'd think they would find it in a, in a few minutes. Two or three hours later, they're still scrolling through. Yeah. You and know, that's agency um, hours, right? I mean, exactly, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Whereas now with, with um, Mid Journey, for example, you can prompt what you want and, and describe it and then it will just pump out those things for you. And then, you know, you can either regenerate it, create variations, tweak the prompts, um, and it creates that custom visual or that custom graphic for you. And, and that's sort of AI 101. What's going to happen a year or five years down the track? Um, you know, I can't even imagine it. And, and like you said, even though AI doesn't maybe have empathy right now, I think uh, in the near future, it will, you know, it will be yes. doing a lot of this stuff for us. Um, mm. And so f for the moment, I see AI as more of, a, of an extension of our, you know, our thinking and our tools, and yeah. it'll help us do things faster, quicker, better. Mm. Um, mm. It hasn't quite replaced us or agencies just yet, but you never know, you know, I think it, it yeah. has the capability to do that. Yeah, I think so too. But but the, I think it will never have the real empathy and the real. And I think my 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 gut feeling is that a lot of the, a lot of these industries that are going to have this symbiotic with uh, relationship with AI are going to just readapt and they're going to learn. I don't think it's going to result in people losing their jobs. The only one that I would say would po possibly be. Uh, creative writing. I think it just it's the the pool is just going to get a lot smaller, and you're going to have just really talented people in a very small pool, and they'll just demand more money. I think. Um, and there was an article just recently. I'll see, I'll put it in the show notes about plagiarism. How uh, there was a there was a uh, um, a research firm that looked at uh, generative AI and looked at uh, the large um, language models and uh, a lot of the prompts, and it looked for plagiarism within that and it found I think it's very very high percentage of my quote of it was plagiarized mm -hmm. and I think it was the same with creative as well where sort of some some creatives that had a thematic consistency in the creative design in the prompts actually took that from artworks um, from famous designers like Vincent van Gogh and and you know and all of these and some of the more recent artists that are very popular it looked to try and mimic those different styles. And I think there there's some cases going on where creative types are, are suing AI companies for plagiarism because it's, wow. it's, it's copying their style. Yeah. And uh, which I think is completely fair because it, you know, the human brain is, is the only thing right now that is capable of taking something as essentially a thought and making an, a vision out of it, uh, you know, something, a visual representation of what that is. And, that visual representation is true to the person who has created it. So therefore it belongs to them, mm. right? And if something, someone comes along, whether it's an AI tool, I suppose is my point here, or, or a human, if they copy that, it is plagiarism. Anyway, it'd be interesting. And I'll see if I can dig up some details of that and put them in the show notes. Thanks, Ruji, for that. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about the the projects. Where, I know we we mentioned a few already. We worked on worked on Big Brown Box together, Radio Rentals, uh, the Bingley redesign. It won an award. That Magento site was probably the best site. Um, and in fact, I had people from Magento emailing me saying, uh, who did the work on this? It's absolutely amazing from both a coding point of view and also to a creative point of view. So I broke up design, creative, UX, 
and then the coding between two agencies for the audience. So the brief for me was I wanted, at the time, it was difficult for people who do programming to be creative. <laughs> and it still is. Like yeah, I, yeah, I, I often laugh because people say, oh, I've got a friend who's, he's an IT guy. He does my website for me. Um, but, you know, I need someone to look at it because I want something better. I'm like, yeah, I can see why, because he's used like Microsoft Paint to, to create. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that that site was getting back to that site. And I think I'll bring up your site, actually. On our site. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. So we've got the Bing Lee example. I, I think the big brown box one is is only showing the old site. But, but you're right. I, I think... That project was really interesting. And, and again, it comes down to, I think, a lot of the work, Nigel, that you did with your team and understanding, you know, uh, or, or changing the perception of, you know, who your audience is. And I'm just on the website here and I'm looking at your clients at the moment. I mean, you've got some impressive clients here, Hype DC, Bendon. I mean, these, 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 um, this is really impressive. Fantastic Furniture, Radio Rentals, King, King Living, National Geographic. So um, any, for the audience out there, if you're thinking of you know, redesigning your site or you, you want creative work done, I'd, I'd, I highly recommend you jump on to, and I'll leave it in the show notes as well, to um, the Ryzen website and uh, reach out to you and your team, Ruji, to have a bit of a chat about what, what it is. It, and it could even start with something like an EDM design that you know, they've got a, the website's okay, but their EDMs need to be fixed because that's their main, you know, the main channel that they they communicate with their with their audience or their social side of things. They want they want to sort of revamp that a little bit. Yeah, yeah look, cool. Um, happy for anyone to contact me. And look, you know, if if we can't help you out as an agency, at least I can give you some advice or point you in the right direction. Uh, you know, to your point, Nigel. Um, yeah, we're here to you know to help people. If we can help yep. them directly, great. If not, yeah, you know, we've got, I guess, a lot of knowledge, insights that we can share and we've also got partners that we can, you know, guide them to. Any others that we should mention? I mean, in terms of what you're well, working on, I mean, there's, there's Dan Murphy's, Lounge Lovers, yeah, so Wine uh, Gardens. To be honest, yeah, this, website's, so many. this website's a little bit old and needs, needs some updating. <laughs> well, it's like uh, the mechanic's car that never starts, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't have time to fix it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, it, Nige, you know, even if Morgan you Morgan Chouse. If yeah. you want to click on the Bing Lee site, um, I think we've got a sort of a before and after um, that kind of showcases, you know. Um, oh, hang on did. one sec. Sorry, I'll, I'll go back. I'll look at the Masters one. I mean, Masters was such a beautiful site. Um, this stalls was so good too. It's such a shame that that brand went 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 down. But, um, I mean, look at that. That look just it looks fantastic. Part of our remit for this project was not just the, the UX and the design. We helped them uh, put together a, a style guide so that, you know, moving forward, they had something really solid from a, a digital and creative perspective that they could then mm. share to their, you know, partners, et cetera, to help, you know, provide that content, whether it's blogs, imagery, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. I mean, if, if I look at the, if I look at the, um, the Bunning side at the moment, it just looks boring. Like it looks like just really boring, right? And it's not inspiring at all. Like, well, we might um, move on uh, to the next topics. <laughs> Look, um, Hype, Hype DC, they, they were a foundation client of, of Ryzen. So when we first started, they were our, our first client. Um, I, I guess before we started Ryzen, they uh, were using uh, both myself and Sally as, I guess, freelance contract designers helping them with you know um uh, i think print ads on a old street magazine called 3d world and and they were they were new to the to the industry they were um i think only three stores um 
and yeah, just trying to get off the ground. And and again, another awesome client to work with. You know, they 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 knew their why. They had a passion for what they you know were doing. Um, and they would you know allow us to I guess do um, our thing. You know, they weren't sort of um, micromanaging us. They would just know you know and, and create that space for us to to flourish. And, mm. yeah, and that allowed us to do a lot of, you know, amazing work for them, not just on their, their website, but, um, you know, a lot of their in-store branding. We even did, uh, again, back in the day, some custom published magazine all around their ethos of, of first, you know, their tagline was uh, back then. Uh, we search the globe so you can have it first. And so we created this. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this I love magazine that. Um, that was all about, uh, I guess, more about their ethos and less about their products. Yeah, and we mm-hmm. used to, yeah, just do a lot of work. So, yeah, again, another awesome brand that uh, we've had the, the pleasure of working with, you know, from, from back in the day. Yeah, and I mean, it's super fast as well. I mean, if you, for the audience, yeah, I'm clicking on different sizes of shoes here, and it's just lightning fast. Like, it's um, and it's what you want, really. Uh, you, you don't want to be sitting there waiting for pages to load. I think most sites now have pretty much caught up, but I like the fact that it's four across. The fact that you can see the sizes that are available really, really quickly. Um, that's another really nice feature. I bought these actually. These from oh, nice. from these. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. these from from the guys. Um, but so you can see that for the orders, it's just I just clicked into the. Uh, a pair of Adidas Gazelles and bang, it was instant. Shows me all of the different payment methods, the sizes, different variations or variants of the different colors um, that are available. Um, scrolls really nice. That's really nice and smooth. Yeah, I mean, it's a great design. And, and this is, again, is you've got so many brands. It could look so messy, yet it's been able to keep its scale with the product range and not look over over the top um, or to the volume isn't turned up too much in one particular area that sort of takes you away to, you know, a different area or it sort of or creates a distraction where you might walk, walk or click away from the site and, and bounce. So I'm, I'm mm. assuming these guys, their, their bounce rates are really quite, quite low. I mean, they've got all the Instagram posts here as well, which is really, really nice. Yeah, it's a really nice site. I mean, again, that's a testament to testament to a, a, a really, really good design, good design work and having good to content, really, isn't it? I mean, you can have yeah. a great design, but if your content is rubbish, then it's going to look terrible. So, and how to, I find it's very hard to scale content nicely, even formatting your paragraphs correctly, um, using the right font size, styles, uh, colors, making sure on mobile that it's really easy to to read and things are immediately apparent when you're looking at them on a mobile. Still find a lot of sites not mobile first and digital natives, as they say, you know, they don't really have a desktop. They don't have a laptop. They've just got their phones or an iPad. So if you're not, if your site is not mobile first, uh, you're doing a huge uh, disservice to yourself and um, also to, to your customers because they're the ones who, who are getting quite frustrated with viewing something that is is not right for that particular viewport. So yeah, yeah, spot on. And and I think it goes back to just spending the time to you know look at each uh, breakpoint or you know the the responsiveness and making sure you know mm. at every size it makes sense and it works. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Now that's a really good segue into part two of the show, which is really looking at the the um, customer centricity. Let's just call it. Um, so, look, yeah, the first point um, around data. So it, it's literally um, the more data we have, the better the end results. So mm-hmm. definitely, you know, uh, analytics. So you know, GA data. Um, but also, we found that a lot of our customers will have data in their, you know, uh, email or CRM. Um, okay, and also in store. Um, so we try and hmm. yeah pull that together to better understand you know who I, I guess their current uh, customers are uh, and potentially who they might want to target in addition to that. So that forms the yep. basis of uh, helping to create yeah target audiences um, and or to stem off that um, helping to create personas. Um, and and the benefit of creating uh, personas is that it helps us better empathize with a group. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to just say oh we're targeting you know. Um, women 24 to 34 uh, sorry 24 mm-hmm. to yeah to, to 35 um yep. we'd rather say look we are going to target um you know a jillian that lives in you know so-and-so suburb you know has yep. a family um we, we sort of go beyond just demographics we look at their psychographics and we start to try and paint okay. a picture of the different audience groups just so that, that it, again, it helps us better empathize with, you know, that particular audience or that group. Um, so mm-hmm. typically from the data, yeah, we'll start to split out and create target audiences and personas. Um, and then as part of our, I guess, customer-centric methodology, we will then start to try and better empathize with that audience group. And we'll run some exercises like uh, empathy mapping, uh, user journey mapping. So the empathy mapping part is to, to understand you know, who that person is first and foremost as a person Mm -hmm. before they're shopping for a product or before they're shopping for a service, you know, what's going on in their lives? What are their pains, their gains? What are they hearing? What are they seeing? You know, are they, I don't know, watching a particular show, you know, what are they gossiping about with friends about all that sort of thing? Um, it just helps. Yeah, I, I can t- I can talk a bit to that, Rudy. Just uh, sorry to interject there, but yeah. one thing um, that I know worked really well is when, when we sat down and we did this, and we overlaid what you what you said in relation to distractions and so on with the um, the time on site. So when people were visiting, so what time of the day were people visiting, but also how long did they stay during that time? And we found from this journey mapping that we did with you guys, um, and and by looking at the customer profile and then understanding, okay, when is she getting distracted? We actually found, and it makes perfect sense, but you don't, it's that's saying you don't know what you don't know until you actually look at it and, and do that um, very basic analysis. It's to say, okay, well, you know, from five o'clock till seven o'clock, we're finding that, you know, um, that the, the time on site is dropping, but the conversions are still quite high, but the, the time on site's dropping. Why is that? Oh, Okay, well, because it's dinner time, and we, everyone's getting dinner ready, and or they're or they're cleaning up after dinner if they've had it early, or so yeah. I mean, it's it's the simple things, and you realize, okay, well, maybe we should flight our budgeting slightly different for our Google ads, and you know, at the time we, if you're spending fifty thousand dollars a day on Google ads, that makes a difference, you know, just that little. A tweak to potentially when you might want to um, save your money till the end of the night when they're back on online on their iPads doing that tablet shopping, you might want to upweight the budget at that point. But you don't know that until you actually overlay what you said. Um, when would she be distracted? For example, is it in the morning when she's getting the kids ready for school? Is it during the drop-off time? Is she on a mobile? Is she now completing the checkout on a mobile? Uh, if the target audience is female. 
uh, a sort of mom, female living in the suburbs. Everything, everything has causation. You know, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Like, and I highly recommend that that if you if you see that out there in in retail land, um, and for the guys listening, that you um that you do this work and you reach out to Rigen and 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 have a look at how you can potentially understand your customers a little bit better to then work out because the flow and effect isn't just to to a creative brief. It's actually to marketing and how you spend your money to get the customers to the site. And when you should best fight that. Mm, yeah. Hmm. And, and uh, you're right there, Nige. You know, when you go through the journey mapping or the customer journey mapping exercise, um, what you essentially get is a, is a customer blueprint. It's a blueprint mm. of, you know, how your customers shop, how they find you or competitors. Um, and it's, I guess, visual as well. And, and mm. you can use that um, at any level of the business. It's not just for your website. It's not just for digital. It's, you know, in store, it's email, it's, it's basically everything. And I think that's the beauty of sort of um, spending the time and the effort to do some of this UX work, some of the research and the workshops, it gives you or the business a lot more clarity and it gives you a blueprint to, to, to build off. Um, so look, the, the other things we do after, you know, empathy mapping, uh, journey mapping is, again, where possible, we like to, to talk to customers, whether that's one-on-one, -on -one, you know, interviews. Um, so that, I mm -hmm. guess that's more qualitative um, or it's more quantitative, you know, surveys. Um, ideally, we do both and we do it sort of before this, the, the design and after the design to, to test things. Um, but again, that just gives you the feedback. And again, it's all about the customer. So if you don't talk to the customer or if you don't know what they want or don't want, uh, like or dislike, you know, you can't design the ideal journey or experience for them. I guess after that is when we then start to roll out the actual solution, you know, whether that's a, a sitemap, uh, you know, wireframes, uh, and then going to design. Um, look, one of the, the tips I've got for, you know, maybe any of the retailers out there is, um, you know, spend a little bit of time, uh, you know, in, in this sort of UX research sort of area, but also around the sitemap. So what we found that works really well for our clients is that um, looking at a sitemap, both from an SEO perspective, um, but also from a customer perspective. And if you can sort of understand, uh, I guess, the, the pros and cons of both, um, you will ideally have a site that's optimized for customers, but also optimized for Google slash SEO. And that way you'll get more traffic and ideally, you know, more traffic, meaning more conversions, more sales, et cetera. Oh, totally, totally agree. Thanks, Ruji. That's, yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, I mean, I'm on your website at the moment. I can see, I, I remember doing all the post-it notes, you know, and, and sticking them all up and it kind of, it's sort of, it's fun to do it because you, you're, you're working as a team. So you bring your team in and you sit down and you, you know, have some coffees and whatever, and you start to brainstorm. And it also, it just, it's, it's almost like a cleanse, you know, you sort of, cause you, 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 your brain gets so full of, well, mine does anyway. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. My brain gets so full of ideas and you know, some of them, you just don't have the ability to execute on all of them, but unless you put them down on paper, unless you, 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 uh, visualize those ideas, they stay in your head and you, and you, and it becomes this big sort of big mess and in your head of all these things you want to do and you don't know how to prioritize. And this actually helps you prioritize. Like you said, you start working on the solution. Once you've got that idea of what, you know, what the site's going to look like, what sitemap should look like. And to your point about sitemap, I mean, on my site, uh, the digital discovery group 
uh, group website. I, you know, I, I'm using a standard platform, but I've changed my sitemap three times because I started with all of these ideas and then I'm like, oh, you know, it's too complicated. And then I just went, oh, no, you know, I created another sitemap and new pages and they started to rank straight away. I made sure all the SEO was good, good content, good images and, and so on. And then I thought, oh, you know what? People are just ringing me because they want to switch from what they're currently doing. So I just put up a thing called Make the Switch. So now when you, so I'm finding more people are coming to me when they've got, you know, domain names all over the place and then they've got a website here and a website there and it's doing pretty good business. They're not quite sure how to use their platform, but they're just packing orders at the moment. And the, so I can come in and say, okay, and I can bring it all together for them. And I mean, I'm not a graphic designer, so I would reach out to someone like Ryzen and say, hey, guys, uh, help put that brief together. Let's get something over to the customer, bring the customer in. And, you know, so it's kind of like this this idea of it's it's not, um, you know, the, the customer is busy focusing on what they're good at, which is their business. You you guys can then focus on what you're good at by then having all this information there. You can rely on, you take photos of it all. You've got it as a reference point. You document it really, really well. I mean, we got a fantastic document from you guys after we did this research, I remember. But in the end, it's all about the growth. If you're, do you think in five years, Ruji, retail is going to look like it does now with AI and everything? No, it is 100% going to be very, very different. And we know with augmented reality, all of these technology firms are trying to get more and more time, uh, uh, time per day of user attention and that's all their KPI to do. So eventually, um, you know, once we've left the office, we're going to be on our devices. We're going to be talking to friends, you know, we're not going to be shopping, you know, so, so shopping has to come to us as, as, as customers, you know, um, there is, there will always be uh, you know, there a segment of, of, um, of shoppers out there that love the in-store experience and everything like that. But it just changes what in store is meant to be for for the for the customer. It it becomes a a discovery, really. It becomes I go into a store to discover the tactile feel, touch and feel, the physical discovery, where the digital discovery happens online, and that's why I call it the business digital discovery group because that's really what it's about. It's about digitally how you discover brands and and businesses and ideas and concepts. Um, everything, you know, um, so, mm. all right, cool. Move on to SEO. Obviously we spoke about that, the wireframes design, and then the building and integration. Now you, you guys do the building and integration as well, but obviously for bigger projects, you would sort of outsource that to exactly. uh, another agency and exactly. so on, but yes. best what, of breed situation. Exactly. Yeah. What we found, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Nige, is that, um, it's often good to separate the creative UX UI with the build. Um, mm. and ideally have specialists in both areas. Because I think, yep. you know, to your point, it's it's super rare to find uh, one agency or one, you know, team that does awesome UX, UI and build because they're yep. quite different. Um, yep. And sometimes, you know, it might be you're designing a site based around a feature or a function that's led mm. sort of technically, whereas ideally you want to design something that's led by the customer and their needs. And so there's often a bit of a clash uh, internally, uh, you know, if you're trying to do 
both in the one agency. And that's mm. why typically um, our projects, especially the bigger ones, we will have partners, whether it's people like, you know, Lloyd at Fontus or a bunch yep. of other awesome agencies that specialize more in the technical side once yes. the UX and the UI is being, you know, designed mm. and, uh, and sort of strategized. A hundred percent. And you don't, I, this is one of the things is you don't push boundaries when people are comfortable. Like if people are comfortable and it will just present, you know, what they know technically or from a functional specification point of view, the platform can achieve, then no boundaries get pushed. Mm. So the only way you can get push boundaries is by creatively coming up with ideas that technically probably can't happen, but you find compromises and you land at a point where you've created something new. And a lot of people don't realize this is the symbiotic relationship between technology, functional specifications, and the design work, you know, it's like, yes, there is that relationship because it's form and function. And that's one of the first things you understand is, uh, I mean, a perfect example is Elon Musk with his Cybertruck, right? I've been a huge fan of the Cybertruck. I'm like, ah, it's bloody ugly. It looks horrible. Yeah, it's kind of ugly, but it's it's kind of like cool ugly. It's kind of like, but as Elon Musk says, it's sort of like form versus function. They, um, uh, sorry, function versus form. Right? Oh no! Other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm confusing myself. You know, it's got an exoskeleton. It's not a chassis on rail. It's it's um it's designed with stainless three hundred one stainless steel, so it's bulletproof. I mean, it's all of these things that technically, if you had have asked a senior executive at Ford, he would say, "Are you freaking mad? Like, well, we're not creating that. Look at it. It's a shocker. That graphic designer." Uh, would have been thrown out of the room or the design team would have been kicked you know, never to come back. But yet Elon's like, no, guys, show me something different. Do you want a truck that looks like a truck? And now everybody, it's now it's, it's, it's polarizing, but that's how you actually create something new. Now he's created something new. And, and John in, in the previous um, podcast spoke about reinventing, retail reinvention. Uh, and, he, and he spoke a lot about reinventing yourself as well as your business. And Elon Musk is very good at that. Now I'm not a big Elon Musk fanboy, but I appreciate the things that the ideas and that he that he brings to people. And you know, he says that one of the one of the uh, his sayings that I really love is you, you focus on the, uh, the the problem and solving the problem and then the tools become apparent. So you focus on and and I think back at think back about our time together. We were focusing so much on the problem, we didn't have to worry about whether or not things could be done. It was up to you guys and the web developers to to try and make find the tools that would make what we wanted work. And we created something new. I mean, we had pop ups and we had countdown clocks, and this was all before anybody was using it, especially for Big Brown Box. We created all of that. Yeah, um, right. if you, if you remember, um. Uh, you know, we worked on Big Brown Box with Acer to do, you know, customized yes. uh, yeah. PCs, which back yeah. then was revolutionary. You know, it was the, the first of its kind. And, and to your point, if we started with the technology, you know, they would have said, no, too hard. Don't, don't even go there. But we went the other way. We said, what would customers want? Oh, right. An awesome experience being able to, you know, build their own PC. How do we create that? And then we you mm. know, did that and then took that, I guess, blueprint to the developers to go, we've got a challenge for you, mate. Try and make this work. And, and, it, and it happened. It happened. It absolutely happened. And it was very successful. I mean, we had $9,000. I mean, back then, well, I mean, it wasn't that long. I say back then, but it wasn't really that long ago. Um, but but like it had, we had sliders and 
it's almost like the Dell experience today. Like there was Dell didn't even have that. They had the basic configurator with these really ugly looking. Uh, it was all written in ASP.NET sort of stuff. It was all ugly, and you know we were using this open source platform Magento. It would slide across, and you could pick your RAM, you could pick your hard drive, your software. It would go to Acer. They'd put it all together and send it out to the customer, and it was. And then they put they put um, a whole marketing campaign behind it. It was fantastic, and no one had ever. And so I'm so glad you reminded me of that because I remember working on that project, and it it actually was really really successful. You know, everybody's got a thousand reasons why you shouldn't do things, but I always say that think of what you want to do, then try and uh, execute on the idea and the problem that you're trying to solve. Has anybody else done it before? Have they done a really good job at it? How could it be done better? All right, mate. Well, now we we could talk all day. I'm absolutely okay. loving um, chatting to you, mate. I mean, this is this is so good, um, and I'd love to have you back on the show. I think at some point in the in the future as well. And oh, anytime, um, Nigel, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, be yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, mate. And I think that I'll I'll see what sort of questions come in. Most people send me emails actually, um, and uh, and I get a, on chat. They'll they'll ask questions and so on. But for the audience out there, if you have any questions for Ruji, I'm, I'm happy to. For you, I'll put some show notes on the um, your details on the show notes. You can they can reach out to you via your website. Yep. Look, mate, I, I I think we might leave the show there now. Before I go, every uh, every one of my podcast guests gets some of my amazing amazing merchandise. Awesome. Now, <laughs> now you have a choice. Uh, we but the the only problem is I, I'm kind of out of stock with some of it. I'll show you these these. So I have these new shirts that came in um, just recently, but I'm going to get some more. So these are the Digital Discovery T-shirts. Oh, nice, nice. I love yeah, it. So, yeah, so this is 2XL. So it's absolutely gigantic. And uh, they, they're US sizes, so I'll get your size. And um, we have some some uh, new mouse mats. I changed the supplier because I sold out on the other ones. Oh, wow. Um, so I And I highly recommend, actually, Vistaprint is actually really good for those out there in business that are looking. They're, they're, they're not the cheapest. I would say you can, you can wait till things go on sale, which is normally what I do. Um, but the quality is really good. So we've got these new mouse mats now. So these are – so oh, nice. I'll send you some of those out. Yes. Yep, you can give some of those to your team. And yes. – the mugs as well. So I've got uh, a new supplier for the mugs. Um, again, it's Vistaprint. I'm looking to try and get some new colors. And I wanted to try and get orange for you because I know <laughs> you love orange. And I'll, I'll never forget when you sent me a pair of uh, orange uh, Nikes, Air Maxes. Yes. I've still got them. Oh, excellent. And uh, when when Holland played in the World Cup, I follow Holland. They're um, in the Soccer World Cup. Obviously, it's, everything's orange. So, um, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so I was wearing them everywhere, and my kids said to me, "Dad, you're not a teenager anymore." <laughs> and I said, "Shut up," <laughs> as you do. <laughs> yes. So, I've got these new mugs now. So, I'll, I'll just, um, I'll show you these. And look, yeah. while you're doing that, maybe if I could just, um, you know, sort of um, speak to your to to, to, the, to your audience, the people listening. Yeah. Look, just yeah. just want to say, you know, Nigel, you are one of the gurus oh that looks awesome one of the real yeah. gurus in this industry and you know you've helped multiple businesses go from you know as an example i think bingley when we started working with you we're doing like one or two million to like mm. 100 plus million like you know that's right and, and yeah, that's thanks. that's because of you it's not just like us or other agencies 
you were the glue to all of that. And so I guess I just want to let people know that, look, you've done such an amazing, I guess, uh, volume of work in our industry. And you've taken so many brands from being small to massive that, you know, that I, I guess, yeah, you're just a guru and a nice guy. So they should definitely thank you, know, you so much for you um, because yeah. you've done so much. Oh, mate, that, no, look, I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not always out there and always at events and I just don't get time. I've got four kids, you know, I like to spend time with them. So every spare minute I get, I, I'd prefer to stay home and or we go out. I'd rather be out with the family, but um, I'm going to try this year and get out a little bit more, try and get out and be with the industry a little bit more, go to, go to a few more events and so on. This is why I'm doing the podcast right now, actually, because I've, I've, it's just a voice for people who I know who are fantastic like yourselves, um, Rudy and your team, you know, without you guys, we couldn't have done what we did. And also to the people I know that are just genuinely good guys and they just, they've got really good brains essentially. And I just want to talk. You're welcome to come back on any time. The invitation is always open for you, mate. So thank you very much. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Much love to Thanks, you. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks. Thanks.